into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Here's the thing I don't understand. The company is worth billions. Yes. And every time I pick up the paper, each year it loses more money than it lost the year before. <laughs> the company's yep. never made a profit. That's right. <laughs> now, why, how does it, why? How does that, why? Seems like a new math, doesn't it? It, yeah. it does. It, I mean, it's, it's to someone who doesn't know anything about this, it's amazing. You know, we lost 12 million last year, and we're doing great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> there are a whole series of Doonesbury cartoons about this. This is, this is not a new phenomenon. We are a famously unprofitable company. Right, right. And we are investing in the future. It's not, which isn't unusual. Companies have done this before. What's a little surprising about Amazon.com is the scale to which we're doing it. We're doing it in a big way. I see. So you just keep reinvesting. We're reinvesting. Now wow. <laughs> what the fuck? Isn't uh, he looked like George Costanza in the 90s. He looks like Kevin Spacey. Oh, he does look Kevin Spacey. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Anyway, for those of you just tuning in, obviously, uh, that was Jeff Bezos on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in 1999. And he looks like shit. Yeah. Welcome hey. to Pod Damn America. Uh, I'm Jake Flores. That's Raga Meta. And also with me is... Anders Lee here. And... Please call me Husband Alex. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, Alex got wiped. Yeah, her husband Congratulations, Alex. Uh, Thank you. Alex, clap for uh, me. Yeah. Alex has a wife. Anders has a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. I only got a <laughs> wife so that I would be applauded on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> Are you, you just throw your ring out the window? Are you going to live cast <laughs> the wedding? And, and get divorced immediately. <laughs> I have to go back in time to live podcast my wedding. God, that has to have happened, right? On Earth at some point? Oh, oh sure. that, I would love that if you're like getting married. It's like, we should make this into a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would bet a Twitch stream before a podcast, yeah. but probably both. <laughs> I fucking... I mean, I, I know it's real, but I hope it's not, you know? You guys know Total Biscuit? No. All right, there's this big popular streamer named Total Biscuit. <laughs> and I used to watch him do StarCraft streams, and he'd announce StarCraft, and he had a he, he had a fake top hat, and he'd announce things in a British accent, and he didn't know what the fuck he was talking Wait. about, and that's why people liked him. And he died this year of colon cancer. Holy shit. It's okay, because he was like an MRA guy. But I found out when he's dead, uh, <laughs> RIP, you got bodied. Uh... Uh, he had a wife who, like, co-ran his Twitch stream with him, and she was, like, talking to the press about him and her in his, like, eulogy or whatever, and was like, I will continue your Twitch stream for you. <laughs> Every day I will Twitch stream. And I just can't imagine oh. a sadder existence than running oh. your dead husband's <laughs> Twitch stream. <laughs> You're like, oh, man. this Crash Bandicoot speedrun is for you. I miss you so much. <laughs> Total Biscuit? I was hoping this was going to be the answer to Limp Biscuits. <laughs> Um, in a way, he was. He keeps rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, Limp Biscuit won. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Wait. You can't beat him. Twitch. So you watch the Twitch streams. You actually do this. And I you're used married. to watch. You managed to do that. I used to watch professional StarCraft every day for two years. Wow. And then you, you went to rehab? What, what do you happened? do while you're watching? <laughs>
That's what I want to know. I you play games while you're watching? You I have a coworker who watches Twitch streams I all day. Fucking That's all. Off. They don't even. Yeah, do they anything watch while League of Legends they while they work. They don't multitask. They just watch. No, they they like work and watch League of Legends. Okay. It makes no sense to me. I watched a guy play Spider-Man before I bought Spider-Man. It's the ultimate thrill. I was earlier tonight, uh, not I like Twitch to watch streaming. Another man play my video games. <laughs> you like it's my the video digital game? cuck. It's very yeah. arousing. <laughs> earlier tonight, I was at a kava bar, leaning over someone's shoulder, not Twitch streaming, watching someone play Roller Coaster Tycoon. That's way weirder. Yeah, that's that, the maybe. weirdest. You, thing. you added a physical dimension to it. This is a stranger. Uh, no, I, I kind of knew him. Someone I met on <laughs> Craigslist. I knew him I after, after an arrangement that. with. No, he's a DSA guy. Shout out Ben Gantz. He was <laughs> playing uh, RT. Well, speaking of tycoons. Oh, this is very cool. Speaking Love to watch you play, Ben. And speaking of Twitch, which is owned by a tycoon, <laughs> as we learned on today's podcast. Right. Um, we got one hell of a topic for you. Back to the topic at hand. That clip at the, the top. Business news. Was of Jeff Bezos on Leno in the 90s uh, looking like Kevin Spacey. Why was he on Leno? <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I, Amazon was not that big of a company. It reminds yeah. me a bit of a Dudesbury cartoon I read. <laughs> 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 that legendary wit. Also, like, he, he wasn't good on the show. He was just like, he didn't know why he was there either. He was like... Leno was making fun of him. And yeah. he was like, you know what it was? It was real supervillain shit. Because he went on there just to be like, yes. Yes, I am losing money. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You'll all see. Like, he was just like open about the fact that he was in phase one of this evil thing that Amazon does. Yeah, where he they was like yeah. bad Sideshow Bob. Yeah, Look, yeah, well, yeah. see, that, will, that was Side back when Rob. Amazon was like vaping is now. Like it was kind of a cool, chic thing in the 90s, you know, because it started from a real need. Uh, books, you know. Vaping is pretty cool. Vaping yeah. is like books. <laughs> <laughs> Look, in 1997, you're running a late night talk show. Sometimes Smashing Pumpkins cancels and you need a new bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what happened. Yeah. Uh, but like this whole thing evolved out of books, right? And which was, a, you know, if you're living in Montana, you want to read about Isaac Newton, you can't get anything around, then that's why Amazon. This is a very common up. problem. Yeah. <laughs> Despite all my rage, I am still just a product on a page, <laughs> a web page. I am still <laughs> the just, CEO of Amazon. I'm still <laughs> just refreshing the page. Yeah. <laughs> Despite uh, all my rage, I refuse to give my workers a living wage. Oh! <laughs> what do you think of that, motherfucker? I love poetry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, so we'll get back to Bezos when we uh, get to our guest uh, interview a little bit later, but um, some topics of business before we uh, we get into uh, that and the, the news of the week and everything. Uh, first off, I want to tell a quick story. I uh, forgot to include this right at the beginning. Well, we were at the beginning. Um, I want to uh, – this, this GoFundMe will be included in the uh, description of the show, and I'll tweet it out from the show's Twitter account and everything. But um, so when um, I got, uh, you know, pinched by the feds and everything and uh, went on Chapo and all that shit and went on every podcast and talked about my whole uh, thing with ICE, um, I met a lot of cool people. Um, and one of them I met – was uh, this guy who's in a band in the Denver area who um, reached out to me because I was going on tour right after that. And uh, we, we were talking about me maybe opening for his band because he, I guess, liked my shit and uh, he sent me some of his music. And I, I liked his music and uh, everything was really cool. Um, 
you know, it's kind of a hardcore band, and uh, their thing is they they dress like cops, um, and so the the kind of joke of the band, I think, or at least for some of the shit they do, is like um, it's about aggro cops, and it's called Short Fuse. Uh, really cool. We tried to do a, like a show together, couldn't really get it to line up. Maybe when I go back out, uh, we'll figure something out or whatever. Um, Where's this story go? Uh, well, it's going somewhere <laughs> not. It's particularly great. Um, so a story about cops? No, they're not really cops. They're no. a band that's sort of making fun of that right. whole thing, right? A story um, about that. So it's a hardcore band called Short Fuse, right? Um, so this guy James hit me up, and uh, then he came to a show. We talked and everything. Um, and uh, it was really cool. I really liked him. It turns out he runs in some of the same circles we do online. Um, mutual friends with, like, the um, – I think he works with the Michael Brooks show, which I went and did and did all their other shows and shit. And uh, Anyway, anyway, point of the story is um, I'm going to read this straight from the Go- GoFundMe. On the night of August 26th, on their way home from their tour with Chamber of Malice, Short Fuse were leaving California late at night when hit by a drunk driver, oh. losing one of their dear friends, and leaving two severely injured. Upon returning home and assessing everything, Thing. Legal matters are being pursued, and with uh, obtaining out-of-state personal injury lawyers, uh, legal fees come with it. Uh, in this time, we ask for any help and support to get the justice and compensation these guys deserve with everything that's uh, happened. James, Dakota, and Johnny are beyond thankful for everyone who's reached out and helped. So if you can, throw some money towards those guys, because uh, I talked to James for a minute, and he said he told me that um, you know, on top of all this, uh, on top of losing one of their friends and having to deal with all these like legal um you know fucking uh whatever hurdles um the cops also just are holding their like musical instruments and shit they can't perform uh it's apparently evidence uh they got fucked i mean oh the real cops, the real cops. Musical instruments. Yeah. i was like yes they're cops they hold their musical instruments <laughs> 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 the whole gimmick of the band yeah um Anyway, uh, check out Short Fuse. Please, uh, if you have money, throw it at this GoFundMe because uh, they're you know friends of mine now from uh, this whole ordeal, and that sucks. And um, you know, I don't know. Check it out. In this yeah. family, we watch after each other. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, uh, moving on to what uh, what else happened this week. Um, if you are a Patreon subscriber and you notice that we um, that we didn't put out an episode last week, it's because the the episode blew up. Um, uh, we fucked it up. I fucked it up, and uh, we fucked up the recordings. We'll put out two this week, um, so don't worry about that. But we did miss uh, – <laughs> it sucks because last week was a really good uh, news week for comedy, I guess. <laughs> there was a lot of penis-related news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There were multiple yeah. stories. And we're not even talking other. Jeff Bezos yet. Ooh, hey. Damn. Kitty's got claws. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of dicks. Bill Maher over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, fuck. Uh, what can we say that hasn't been said at this point? The president's dick looks like Toad. Um, right. Batman showed I his dick. that. That was only a week ago. It sounds like every time yeah. you talk about the news in like 2018, <laughs> it sounds like you're about to go into "We didn't start the fire." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> President's dick is toad. <laughs> Batman showed his dick. <laughs> the Muppets are gay. <laughs> uh, J- Jake, you posed this thing like we last didn't year. Do 9/11. <laughs> but what if we did? That would be very cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, I remember last year you tweeted this thing that was like, the president's phone screen is extremely cracked. And every day I think about it, and I'm like, man, that shit's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> He's a messy bitch. Yeah, yeah. You know, his fucking teeth are red with... Well, actually, no, he doesn't drink. He doesn't drink. Uh, supposedly. He's the healthiest If he did a drug, what do you America? think he does? Coke. No. I don't know. It's like he doesn't need it. Amphetamines. I heard he was on Adderall on the campaign yes, trail. Yes, yeah. that's an amphetamine. That counts. Yeah, well, he was on something during that debate, right? Because he was sniffing He was sniffing, so but much. that could also be from Adderall. I sniff okay. on Adderall sometimes when I don't do it anymore. Right. But, uh, <laughs> or he could be a dog. <laughs> There's no wrong answers in a brainstorm. Anything could be good. <laughs> yeah. That goes into the Billy Joel song, too. The president <laughs> is a dog. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as long as he doesn't start trying to do poppers like a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> not cool enough to do it. <laughs> yeah, I would do like ketamine with him. No, you know, <laughs> old fat politician guys like that that like don't drink, they get addicted to painkillers and they don't think of it as being a drug. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I did. It worked out well. But <laughs> like, uh, well, that's yeah. what Bush was oh, like yeah. on painkillers. I forgot kill- that you're Newt Gingrich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, uh, Rush yeah, Limbaugh. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Bush was on painkillers like. After during the Iraq war, during the height of the Iraq war, they were feeding him shit. That's why he was just like half incoherent. Yeah. Oh, I mm. thought he was just like that. I mean, yeah, but it makes it worse. <laughs> they probably gave him something to be more Texan. I would imagine. <laughs> they gave him a <laughs> steer's antler. Crush <laughs> <laughs> that shit up. They yeah. gave him a lasso to carry around. Oil sticks. Mr. Bush, eat your cactus. <laughs> um, Trump and Bezos are funny because they're both like a child's version of what like a supervillain is like, too. Mm, like, mm-hmm. he, uh, he has like a golden toilet or whatever, and then like <laughs> yeah. Bezos eats iguana meat while he like probably like... Sits around his mansion, like listening to Demi Lovato on his well, AirPods that's or some also shit. What's really funny about that whole Salt Bay thing last week, where like uh, Mark Rubio lost his shit on Salt Bay and uh, on fucking uh, on well, he he got mad at, at Salt Bay for going and serving steaks to Maduro, and then he was trying to be mad at Nicolas Maduro, but he focused all that rage in on the Salt Bay. He got distracted, which is a crime, and got too mad at Salt Bay, who's this guy apparently from Turkey, who um, you know is whatever, just just some a beautiful guy. man. He's just a steak. He's, he's just some guy that's trying to make a million dollars off his dumb salt meme, and like you know, <laughs> before he went viral, he was some guy who would just be in your DMs like, "Is this am I talking to sexy lady?" You know, <laughs> but now he's got a fucking viral thing. And He's trying to capitalize off it. So Rubio doxed him. Insane. The news was insane last week. Um, and and you know, but the funny thing about that is, is like that that the people who didn't lose their shit and get distracted and uh, and focus their rage on Salt Bay, at least ideologically consistently with their shit. We're mad at Maduro for eating these salt-based steaks, but, like, the president has a golden fucking toilet. Like, <laughs> it makes no sense that they would consider that uh, to be, like, I don't know, like, that much worse. It's not great. I don't know. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, I think Cosby just got uh, sentenced. He's going to jail. Three to ten years. Saw a pic of him in suspenders and handcuffs. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a jail where they make you wear suspenders. Yeah, those, those are police <laughs> issue suspenders. They suspend you from some high rafters, <laughs> and you're just held up by your pants, and you think about all the crimes you did. <laughs> you just, just stuck up there looking <laughs> at the ground. <laughs> Put me down! <laughs> oh, man. You guys remember the pound cake speech? 
No. I, I wish. The, uh, <laughs> Rory Scovel's niche podcast, The Pound Cake? <laughs> no, uh, Cosby, in like 2005, he was given that speech. He gave that speech to some organization or whatever where he's like blaming uh, black people. Oh, for the pull your pants up speech? Yeah. I've the, never it a heard it referred to as. Oh, this is famously. Yeah, <laughs> no, because he, said he likes pound cake. <laughs> Everybody. Do you remember? Um, <laughs> there's a whole Wikipedia article about it. Do you remember the Tower it. 7 it's tragedy? Called, <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember Abraham Lincoln's famous uh, seven years ago speech? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it is called this. Seven years ago, a proclamation. <laughs> it is uh, often referred to as the pound cake speech because of the following you lines Wikipedia referencing a particular dessert, pound cake, for comedic effect. That's what they called it? While contrasting common criminals with political activists who risk incarceration during the civil rights movement, he goes on. Uh, well, this is the speech. Should I do my Cosby? No, do not do read a, the <laughs> entire speech right now. Not the whole thing, okay. but the pound cake, the, the relevant do portion. Cosby. There, I mean, you might as well do a Cosby. What's another? Do we have uh, a good Cosby? Uh, no, there's no way. Sometimes Anders is. Uh, I have a good gold mine. I have a great Bill Clinton. Well, what were we gonna read though? Bill Cosby is pretty much Bill Clinton. <laughs> okay. Pound <laughs> cake. Kind of hits. Don't at me. David Spector. These Shout out to his good joke about going it. Going around. Uh, looking at the incarcerated, That's these Bernie are not Sanders. political criminals. There are people going around stealing Coca-Cola, people getting shot in the back of the head o- over a piece of pound cake, and then we all run out in our outrage. The cops shouldn't have shot him. Well, what the hell was he doing with the pound cake in his hand? Oh, wow, oh. some victim-blaming shit. Yeah. Also, whoever that impression was was good, but I don't know who it was. Uh, it was just... I think it, it was, was Wilford Brimley. It was the... <laughs> it was... No, that was White Voice. <laughs> That was White Voice. Oh, you were doing Sorry to Bother You, White Voice? David yeah, Cross? you already have White Voice. Yeah. Yeah, what? <laughs> no, I just, I'm, you know, not financially secure. They could have subbed you into that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, right now I'm doing brown face. It's fucked up. <laughs> you might have the whitest voice. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, okay, but yeah, it's, uh, so I think I decipher what the point of that story was. <laughs> Which is, these people are stealing pound cake. That's the that's the crime he chose. You wouldn't get arrested if you didn't have that pound. Pa- it was a different time. Steal that shit. Which is like that's not even what like that. I guess is kind of bad. In arguably, I don't think I don't really think shoplifting is that bad. But like, that's people are getting thrown in jail for having drugs. On them. If you have like a little bit of powder on your pants, then you get thrown in jail for <laughs> for twenty years. Like this, it's not justified. Powder cake. I agree. Yeah. You know. So um, are you like a mod for Bill Cosby Wikipedia or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I do actually. You know what? I uh, let me see. I, I'm gonna have to check if I still have this. But I was on a plane several years ago before the controversy broke, and I found a copy of Bill Cosby's Love and Marriage uh-huh. from from that a book that he wrote in the 80s, and it's very disturbing in retrospect. Oh, no. I'll see if I can bring well, it on I, the show. I remember when the scandal, I went to a Barnes & Noble that day, and his biography was just, like, sitting right next to a biography about Joan of Arc, and it was just him, like, pointing at Joan of Arc. No! <laughs> yeah. Stay away from her! It was fucking wild. What? Um... Um, I, I'm trying to think of I, have one. A, I don't want to do any more Bill Cosby jokes. I have a for our very us. nice, smart interview. <laughs> not yeah, this is a wait. I have a quote from it. The famous speech. Uh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Okay, this is from his memoir, Love and Marriage. Uh, 
The Cosby College of Cool had a willing student at last, and one whose beauty matched the sounds that had me spellbound. The big question now was, could a woman be laughed into love? Jesus, when you do that voice, it makes him sound like he wants to sound. I didn't like his chapter on day sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Disco nap, Cosby. Whom amongst us does not remember the famous Adolf Hitler speech? Butter cookies? <laughs> or, um, I don't know. Butter uh, sh- cookies. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fuck it. Let's get into the interview. Go off. <laughs> Hello. So today we have guest Stacy Mitchell. She's the co-director of the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Stacy, thank you for being here. Hey, it's great to be with you. Cool. Well, we're here to talk about, we already talked about a little bit, a little company called Amazon. You guys may have heard of it. You might have used it to... I don't know, buy uh, Yu-Gi-Oh cards or something. Shops. I don't know what you're up to, Andrew, Alex. It's uh, like the d- river, but with boxes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I get but my Dr. Scholl's <laughs> on Amazon. There's also there's always like a wealth of Amazon news. Like it's its own beat now, like outside of just the technology. Like I've just pulled up stuff today. The three big headlines were uh, Amazon is doling out raises as little as 25 cents an hour in what employees call damage control. Uh, number two, Amazon comes up with another way to get Alexa into your home, which that sounds exciting. <laughs> and uh, number three, wealthy investor Nick Hanhauer uh, says Amazon's HQ2 has prompted a contest to find America's dumbest and most vulnerable mayor. So a lot of glowing <laughs> An endless press. How about, uh, how about this headline? Amazon, it's a jungle in there. <laughs> <laughs> what is that article about? <laughs> what is that about? Just, just about how their warehouses are confusing. Okay, all right. Uh, but, uh, Stacy, our guest today, you've written a couple articles. Uh, one of the most uh, recent ones in the Nation magazine uh, call, titled, Amazon doesn't want to just dominate the market, it wants to become the market. And if uh, there's like a thesis I could pull out of there, uh, you say, Amazon is really a company that's about controlling the underlying infrastructure of the economy. And obviously there's a lot to unpack there, but uh, w- what would you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, we uh, we often talk about Amazon as though it were a retailer. And, you know, certainly this is a company that sells a ton of stuff. They capture about one out of every $2 that Americans spend online. You know, they're the biggest book retailer. They sell a lot of toys and apparel and, and so on. And so, and, but the, the, the way to understand Amazon really is, is not as a retailer. Um, Amazon is true sort of fundamental interest is controlling the underlying infrastructure, the platform that buyers and sellers have to use in order to reach one another. Um, So now we have over half of all online shoppers are starting their search right on Amazon. And what that means is if you're any other company in the economy that wants to sell someone something, um, you increasingly can't do it through your own website or anywhere else because there's very little traffic, less and less traffic uh, going to search engines and finding other websites. Everyone's just starting at Amazon, and that means that they're this kind of gatekeeper uh, for who gets to sell and what the terms are. And so that's really what Jeff Bezos and his ambition is all about. It's that underlying infrastructure that lets him really set the terms for how other companies uh, can get to market. We're the only game in town. I uh, I, I read uh, your piece um, 
in uh, I'm sorry, there was one the that's, nation. The nation. There you go. Um, and I, I sort of understand this about Amazon and that they're doing something similar to, to like Uber. Uber operates at a loss, but it's because they're trying to just become the entire market for someone bringing a car to you and taking you somewhere else. They just want to become a, a cab. Uh, Netflix is kind of operating at a loss, maybe for a similar uh, reason, but. Uber Amazon. is trying to become the market for when you're moving, but you just use a sedan and try to fit a couch <laughs> in there. I've done it. <laughs> someone you've never met in charge of it yeah. the entire time. <laughs> um, but Amazon seems to be particularly insidious because they're trying to apply this principle to just like, they just sell everything. They just want to be the concept of buying things. And they've done this by um, sort of uh, operating at a loss in, in, a, in order to like just compete and dis- push small businesses out of the market. Um, I noticed in your article that you cited a, a diaper company. They did this too. They just ruthlessly pushed a diaper company out of the, uh, the diaper market and, and to the extent that they had to to give in and come back and work uh, within a- the Amazon uh, framework. I thought that was a very sad American tale. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, this has been like Amazon's go-to strategy from the beginning, you know, back when uh, Jeff Bezos founded the company in 1995. I mean, he spent like the first six years that Amazon was in business, he lost like $3 billion selling books at a loss. And it worked, you know, um, all of these competing independent bookstores uh, and a number of chains in that in that uh, space as well. You know, they specialize in books. They didn't, you know, they, they didn't have investors on Wall Street kind of betting on this long-term market dominant strategy. They couldn't afford to just match those prices and lose money themselves. And so they all went out of business. And, you know, today Amazon controls over half of all books that are sold, you know, half of print books and more than 80% of all eBooks are through Amazon and they're publishing a growing number of what they sell. So, you know, this like a ability to just wipe out the ecology of an industry by selling at a loss is something they've consistently done. They did it with diapers.com, as you noted, which, you know, was this kind of upstart competitor. Yeah. And just, you know, people liked what they were doing, but Amazon, you know, sold diapers at a loss. And then, you know, this other company couldn't do that forever and and bleeding red ink they eventually said okay we'll we'll let you buy us you know the same thing happened to zappos i mean this is just this repeat problem and it it really speaks to you know not only this like quest to like own everything that Amazon has, but also the fact that we don't police antitrust policies anymore. I mean, that that kind of behavior used to be something um, that the, you know, the that federal antitrust enforcers would step in and say, no, you can't do that. You can't sell at a loss and then monopolize a market because that's not competition. Yeah. And we want to get more into the the antitrust uh Part of it, but there's also another uh, story I read about about rain laptop stands, and this just kind of uh, this is indicative of just how rapacious they are, and that there were laptop stands that were selling on one, two, and three in the rankings, and they had hundreds of top consumer reviews, and one day. Uh, they just saw Amazon brand laptop stands that looked exactly like theirs just take over. I, like it seems like they're just they're insatiable. As to corner a market as small as laptop stands is insane. Yeah, it's it's so true, and and this really gets to like what 
the core issue is that if you're the platform, right, and you've got all these other companies, and it's not just small businesses, but it's big global brands now who rely on Amazon. They've had they've had to become third-party sellers on Amazon's site in order to keep you know, reaching customers online. And so when you, uh, when you're Amazon and you control that, one of the things that you have is all this data, you get to watch all the other transactions that are going on. And uh, not only gathering data about us as consumers, like, you know, what, where, where our mouse is hovering and like what we're looking at, but what all of your competitors are, are doing uh, on your platform. And then you can exploit that data to undermine them as competitors. And so Rain Design is a really good example. I mean, this is a company, a uh, small company started up in California making these kind of innovative uh, laptop stands. They're kind of metal. They're just interesting. And they you know, sold them on Amazon and built a really successful business. I mean, they had hundreds of five-star reviews and all of that. One day they got up, I mean, literally overnight, and they go click on their Amazon, uh, uh, the search results for Amazon, and all the top spots are now taken by a laptop stands that look exactly like theirs. But instead of having their Rain Design logo, they've got the Amazon uh, logo on them. And, you know, I, I um, you know, it was just sort of devastating to this company. I recently, this this was a news story that came out a couple of years ago. I think it was first reported by either Bloomberg or Wall Street Journal, I forget which. And I recently went and looked. I did a search on laptop stands on Amazon because I was curious if they were still demoted in the search rankings. And now you see that the, the rain design uh, laptops stands are now back up at the top of the search results. But I also noticed that they're buying the paid advertising that Amazon, you know, the placement advertising at the top of that page. So just, it's like Jeff Bezos has built this company where he's going to make money no matter what. Like he's going to make money if he sells the laptop stand himself. He's going to make money if Rain Design does it and he can he can extort maybe, you know, hey, okay, you can you can come back to the top of the search results, but I, I need you to buy some advertising on top of the other fees that you're paying me. And so it's just this incredible machine for concentrating wealth and for skimming off the revenue of all these other companies, large and small. Uh, hey, Stacey, Anders Lee here. I j I'm listening to this, and I'm like, there's industry after industry. We're talking medicine, diapers. Is there any sector of the economy that Bezos is not going after? Like, is his go goal here total, maximal, literally everything you buy one day will be Amazon? He's going to get leftist podcast now. I was just saying, like, <laughs> if we're successful enough, <laughs> we're going to wake up tomorrow. Like, no! <laughs> Somehow he's right. selling anti Amazon stuff at a profit for Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that really happens, though. Like, you know, Che Guevara t-shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, someday, you know. Anyways, uh, our, our sponsor today is Audible. Listen to Audible. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, there's an Amazon company. I mean, a lot of times we're interacting with Amazon and we don't even know it. I mean, if you're shopping on Zappos or you're using Audible or you're searching on IMDb, I mean, those are all examples of Amazon companies. You know, they own Twitch, which is the largest streaming game oh, platform in the world. I didn't know that. Reading yeah. the Washington Post, he, he, he has part of that too. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, you know, if you happen to rely on the. Uh, 
the military, you know, uh, defense intelligence agencies of your U.S. government, uh, you know, the CIA and other defense agencies store their data in Amazon's cloud. Um, so, you know, they just, they produce uh, hit movies and television shows now. They manufacture a growing number of things. I mean, this is one of the, the ways that they use that platform and all the data is that they go into all these sectors. They're now one of the largest retailers of clothing, and they actually are becoming one of the largest manufacturers of clothing. Um, they produce everything from, you know, batteries to baby wipes now, all under their own brands. Um, I mean, they're really, they bought one of the largest um, online uh, prescription drug companies. So they're moving into the pharmacy sector. I mean, they're making forays in every different direction. They're building out a logistics and package delivery infrastructure that is scaled to challenge UPS and the Postal Service. Um, so yeah, there doesn't seem to be any end to, uh, to the ambitions of this country, of this company. Yeah, a while back I was doing research about the uh, their new headquarters, and it was a Business Insider article. And at the bottom of the article, they're like, "Oh yeah, by the way, uh, Bezos owns us." <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. What, what I find uh, particularly remarkable is um, uh, their web services and their cloud, their uh, handling of cloud data. Like you mentioned before. Um, in the article, you says uh, you say the Amazon Web Services division provides 34% of the world's cloud computing capacity, handling everything from Netflix to Nordstrom, Comcast to Condé Nast, the publisher to the CIA, uh, which feels so insane to me. I mean, how would they partner with a government organization? Much less, why would a government organization or agency? Uh, coordinate with them. That's where the diapers are going. <laughs> Special <laughs> operation. <laughs> I don't know why I'm stuck on this diaper thing. I just think that the idea of you, you're born and then within an hour you're wearing an Amazon product is very fucking disturbing. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Um, you know, with, with the cloud computing capacity. I mean, Amazon powers a lot of the web at this point, and they're a third of the world's cloud computing capacity. And it's it's another example of this kind of idea of infrastructure. I mean, Amazon started to build its cloud services for itself and then started offering it to other companies, you know, the same way it did with its online platform. And so you, you now have all of these competitors to Amazon, like Net, Netflix, you mentioned, um, that depend on Amazon at the same time. It's the same phenomenon we see with the platform. And it's another reason that this company's power, um, you know, really should be should be alarming. You know, with the CIA, uh, Amazon has they've made this big push uh, to go after government contracts. And they're doing it uh, not only with the cloud services, they, they've had the CIA contract for a while, and so they manage all of this incredibly sensitive information uh, for the CIA, but they're now in a, in a, a, a bid to get other uh, 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 contracts from different defense intelligence agencies across the government. And that's a process, it's something called JEDI. Um, I don't know why it's named that, but... Um, yeah. It's a process that Amazon, like according it. to yeah, <laughs> according to competitors, uh, Amazon has this like inside track. Like there is a lot of uh, you know like fighting going on over this because Amazon appears like the way the RFP was written. It's very hard for these other providers to compete on the contract. It seems like it was really written for Amazon, and that's unfolding right now. Amazon's also uh, going after um, trying to lock up all of the commercial goods that the federal government buys. So, you know, all of the office supplies and, you know, everything else that government agencies need to operate. Amazon last year managed to kind of sneak this 
language into a bill that passed Congress that uh, opens the door for the federal government to shift all of its purchasing to a uh, quote online e-commerce portal, um, which you know seems a lot like Amazon when you when, when you read the language. So that's going on, and then we also found my organization did a big investigation earlier this year, and found that Amazon actually quietly inked this contract to provide supplies to cities, counties, and schools. So there are now about 1,500 uh, local school districts and cities that have signed on to this, what turns out to be a completely bogus, like bad for your tax dollar contract to buy all the stuff that they need from Amazon. I mean, so this is a company that just, you know, it's, you know, wants to have its tentacles uh, spread, not just across the entire uh, commercial economy, but the public sector too. Yeah, until every every public school and restroom from like here to Palo Alto. There was also back to the cloud uh, data subject. Uh, last year, there were uh, NSA and U.S. Army files stored on their server without password protection that were left exposed. <laughs> oh man, wow. that's so uh, funny. And they're making schools too, right? Like, like that's yeah. kind of going to be his philanthropic uh, endeavor is making little Amazon maybe schools. libraries too. Yeah, he's yeah. A, the child is the customer is the way he imagines the school. Oh yeah, that's what he said. If yeah. I was at the school, I would hope I would be in the Twitch school and not the Kindle Fire school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy that you don't switch. That some things are sacred, you know. <laughs> um, is that when he says the custom or the uh, child is the customer? What can you speak to the his kind of philosophy behind that? Is that just going to be? Is there actually any good going to come out of his his little schools, or is this just going to be training Amazon workers? Yeah, I mean, I I guess I, I find it a little dismaying when you have um, a lot of organizations out there that work on early childhood education, and particularly organizations that are promoting the Montessori method, which is, I, as I understand it, is what Bezos is interested in furthering. Is um, that the one where you don't get grades? I don't know, it's, actually. Uh, my sister's actually a Montessori school teacher and happens to be very anti-Amazon. She wants to boycott Amazon. But it can be, it's like... Uh, it, it teaches you in a creative way, so you ca which can be used for yes, uh, yes, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it, that is what it that can is, be huh? used for good. You know, it teaches kids critical thinking and stuff, and like, you know, get up and move around. But it also can be used for innovation, quote unquote. That's what's so weird about yeah. these like venture capitalist type guys is because you know that they love that sort of stuff because they imagine some sort of uh, logical end to that making the world better you yeah know, what if your uh what if your your school was a circle and there were no corners <laughs> well yeah and in school like there, there's no failure rate yeah. so there's no way of there's no metric to prove it's whether or not it's a success because everyone succeeds right yeah well, it's such a Silicon Valley hubris too, like to sort of imagine that, you know, I mean, it just feels like this whole ideology of, of companies out of the tech sector, they, you know, they feel like, oh, we, we've re reinvented things in a way that's way better and we can reinvent everything. Like we can reinvent schools because obviously we know more about education than people who work in that field. And obviously it's not complicated. It's just other, you know, other, you know, old economy approaches are just stupid. I mean, that's kind of the underlying message when you, when you launch an initiative like that, like this, and you say, instead of giving to existing organizations, you know, 
I, Jeff Bezos, am going to run a bunch of schools because I know better. Well, yeah, it's just what's a the fact that more of Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos employees have done LSD than superintendent. <laughs> <laughs> That's prob- probably true. <laughs> They're operating um, on a higher level that well, you can't see. What I was going to say about um, him, though, in that, uh, that you know, that weird worship of people uh, those guys have of themselves, that hubris, as you said, that these like uh, Silicon Valley types have in that they think that they're making the world a better place by, you know, turning it into an app or whatever is uh, that's scary in itself. What it's also scary is the way that like we culturally buy into it because uh, the human rights campaign last week gave an award to Jeff Bezos, um, you know, this campaign that's supposedly about equality, right? And he's like, by definition, being the richest man in human history, the most unequal person. Most phallic man goes to (laughs) Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Um, so odd. He's got the the rock eyebrow in that photo too. Did you see it? He's got like the <laughs> oh the, the, the DreamWorks eyebrow. Yeah, that proves he's not real. He's the Luther brow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the one of him eating a lizard? Yes. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ate that weird like it's dead an iguana. Lizard. Yeah. Oh, it's an iguana. That's I th- yeah, right. Yeah, I think That's it's an right. iguana. It, it is unclear where he's eating the iguana. <laughs> he like unhinges like his a... jaw like a snake. He just went to a zoo and he's like, "I will have this. <laughs> I own the zoo." Of I bet that was like the brain of Steve Jobs that they transmogrified into a lizard and he ate it for sustenance. <laughs> well, I mean, you you've talked a little bit about like how we can deal with Amazon. Um, we cited grassroots anti-monopoly movements, uh, municipal broadband cities taking control of their energy system do you is there any meaningful legislation being put forth there's a stop bezos act there's the uh newly formed antitrust caucus does any any of that have real significant potential for the near future i think so i mean there's a there's a really a, a growing amount of interest and concern about what's happened with antitrust and you know we're seeing you know economists and legal scholars and elected officials and and lots of you know, uh, citizens, um, you know, talking more and more about the need to resurrect our antitrust laws. You know, our laws are still on the books. All the great laws that we passed in the early 20th century and, and into the 30s are completely intact. Um, what changed is that in the 1980s, we changed the, under Reagan, um, we changed the way that those laws are enforced and like how the agencies interpret those laws. And so, um, you know, the, 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 I think it's going to take some work, and it may be that Congress needs to step in and hold hearings about the power of Amazon and other tech companies and really highlight this issue. And maybe Congress can you know, pass a, a law that underscores that those laws need to be interpreted the way they were originally intended and that they still apply uh, today. Um, you know, so that's one avenue. It could also be that the Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice, the agencies in, in charge of these laws, um, uh, that they start to become concerned and that the people put in charge there uh, begin to rethink those changes in the 1980s. So that's another way that this could go forward. It could also happen from the state level. So state attorneys general have a lot of power and states have their own antitrust laws. So it's also possible that a bunch of states could get together and say, you know, what Amazon is doing is really problematic and we need to check its power in order to preserve a competitive economy. So there are lots of different ways that the mechanics of that could go, 
but I think what's really important is that there's a sort of growing vocal movement out there. Um, and I'm hoping that more and more candidates are going to be talking about it and newspapers are going to be talking about it and that citizens uh, are also going to get involved. It, there has been a little bit of discussion about a uh, boy an effort to boycott Amazon. Um, from what I understand, there isn't support for that among workers at Amazon or people who are uh, that, that really hasn't doesn't seem like there's been uh, the requisite amount of organizing happening among the the workforce for that to really be effective. Is that a strategy you think uh, we should in, engage in? That's worthwhile as well. The boycott strategy. That's a really good question. I, you know, it's it's funny when I when I wrote this article for the Nation, um, which came out I think back in February, and um, I got a lot of email and like co you know comments on Twitter and stuff about it from people, and it was really interesting because the article I don't ever address people as consumers in the article. I talk mm. I put Amazon in the context of you know, a company that rose to this kind of power because our antitrust laws have failed. And I talked about what we need to do to uh, adjust those laws. And so I was addressing readers entirely as citizens uh, in the context of that article. But what was fascinating is that people who wrote to me overwhelmingly would say things like, I'm going to cancel my Prime account. Let's boycott Amazon. I'm going to try to stop shopping there. And those are all worthwhile things to do. I mean, put your money to businesses that actually support your local community and that create good jobs where you live. Like that's, I, I wholeheartedly endorse that. But I think the idea that a boycott would actually work or would be possible or that the solution here is consumer action, like I don't think it's on us as consumers to fix this. I think it's on us as citizens to fix this. And I think partly, part of how we got into this mess with corporate consolidation and, and just you know, how many industries are now controlled by a few companies that are so ginormous that they, you know, they control our politics, they control Congress. I mean, you know, it's like we're living in this kind of increasingly this sort of form of corporate dictatorship. Um, and the reason that part of how we've gotten there is that we've acquiesced to this idea that our power in the economy as, as is as consumers um, that you know when we want to like try to affect change we think about our shopping choices and you know when you're when you're shopping it's like you're not you're not very powerful like you can pick between like I'm Pepsi and Coke when I'm shopping. <laughs> <laughs> you know I you can pick sword, between <laughs> high to low option and everything <laughs> no I'm just kidding I entirely agree with what you're saying yeah you know, our citizen muscle is way more powerful. Corporations just don't want us to find it. And so I think here it's like, I don't want a boycott. I want people to, like, go to their member of Congress. I want, like, you know, packing uh, hearings and getting journalists to write about this. I want us to act as citizens. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's, um, you know, they're kind of these old school forms of consumer activism, like, uh, you know, being a vegan or something like that, that are, like, fine and good. But I think I agree in that um, it's – it's at least short-sighted because that's what like a libertarian will tell you is like, oh go vote with your dollar then you know go go shop yeah. somewhere else and you know we we you know we live in a society y'all uh to, to use the <laughs> quote of the week or whatever it's a lot but, how about the green energy <laughs> movement is defined too is just consumer choices yeah yeah um you know and in reality i mean i don't think there's enough realistic solidarity among people for us to even if we got the word out enough over for us to use our consumer power to flip over something like Amazon that's just this pervasive, it just owns everything that you consume and you have to consume stuff to survive. Um, I don't think it's, yeah. you know, don't throw the whole thing out or whatever, but that's just kind of my point of view on right. that. Right. Well, it seems like there's, you know, a lot of 
uh, labor organization that could potentially be sure. happening there. And I think that's, uh, you know, a tactic we really need to think more about. Um, but I, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, potential outcomes of sort of an antitrust um, movement or uh, policy regimen. Um, and we, I suspect we may have a, a slight disagreement. I don't know. But um, you seem to be sort of calling for a, a return to kind of penny capitalism, a mom and pop, small business oriented economy, at least uh, more of that anyway. Um, but uh, as we've seen through some statistics, they, they, there are uh, in small businesses a lot less labor protections for uh, employees and we've found that you know small businesses just because they have a uh, smaller number of employees they can still be abusive and um, have a lot of, there are a lot of problems in those workplaces as well so isn't the real problem here capitalism itself and shouldn't the solution rather than um, just decreasing the size of, of businesses be to, to have them so they're owned uh, collectively and by workers yeah I you know I I think that um, really as, uh, you know, as citizens that our job is to structure markets. And I'm, I think that there are a lot of great things that markets do. I think business and the economy, there's something that's inherently creative about that. And I don't think that we can, I don't like the idea of a future in which we run every business and every institution from either a public or a collective standpoint. I think that gets rid of some of the kind of creativity and individual nature of business. Um, that said, I think there's a lot more room for co-ops. Um, um, I think, you know, to me, the the real issue is is more about how power is exercised and who exercises it. And and I think when you look back at in history, you know, I often look at the 1930s and some of the reforms that were made then. Um, and you know, in in Franklin Roosevelt's time, you know, the idea was that the goal was to decentralize power, to give people more of a say in the economy and to structure the economy in ways that delivered for the public good. And there were a lot of different tools for doing that. One was strengthening labor unions and really giving people rights on the job to have a voice and a say in what their businesses were doing and a set of, and a set of rights in the workplace and to get a fair share of the, of the returns. But another one was also using antitrust laws to ensure that, you know, if you didn't want to work for someone else, if you wanted to apply your own trade, that you would be protected in the marketplace against a predator, a predatory company that just wanted to use its size to crush you. Now, none of that is, you know, so I think democratizing the economy, I think small business and labor unions and good, strong public reg regulations of, of corporate actors are different ways of achieving the same thing. And they're actually very compatible. And I think part of, you know, we've sort of lost sight of that in recent decades. I would just say on the on the labor issues, and, and you might be interested in a, a piece that I wrote a few months ago for the Washington Monthly called The Truth About Big Business, mm. um, which takes on some of these arguments on the left about small businesses are, are bad and they're bad employers and so on, and really picks apart some of those statistics and kind of looks at what the, what the situation, you know, I think, in my opinion, really is. And I guess I would say a couple of things on that front. I mean, one, I want to be really clear that we need regulations. We need yeah. workplace protections and all of that. Absolutely. I mean, no businesses should be exempt from those laws. And I disagree with laws that exempt smaller businesses from them. But it's also worth noting that if you're um, – 
that that the just their their big companies do pay more statistically speaking but that's because their very top level workers earn more like the CEOs and the the, the most senior people um, if you're a, a median level worker or someone in the bottom half of the income tier and in, in small and large businesses you're actually paid about the same um, and so it's a little bit there's this way in which big businesses have really driven inequality and one of the things that economists are finding is that as small businesses disappear and we've lost tens of thousands uh, in recent years, that there's less competition for labor, that many people are in regions where there are only a few big employers that they can sell their labor to, and that that's actually having a negative effect on wages. So I think there's a way in which worker power, the ability to form unions to get a decent paying job or to strike out on your own and start your own, own business are actually really all useful tools that fit together. Yeah. And that was in the Washington Monthly. What was that article called again, Stacey? It was called The Truth About Big Business. It was actually yeah. a, re a review of a book uh, called Big is Beautiful, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is a, <laughs> kind of makes this argument that, you know, big is beautiful and small businesses are terrible and backwards and they're terrible to workers and we should get rid of them. Um, and I, I think the argument is really false when you look more closely at the data. Sure. Bezos I mean, is beautiful. I think he's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Stop body shaming Bezos. Right. I mean, I just to be clear, I'm not. Business. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, anti business of, of any size. Uh, not that that's your <laughs> perspective. Uh, I but like fun size. <laughs> Stop, <laughs> wage, Stop size shaming Amazon <laughs> for being the biggest, most beautiful business of all time. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for coming on. I don't know what the logical conclusion to this Amazon empire will be. Maybe we're all going to live in Amazon Prime loft pods and Bezos <laughs> is going to administer Amazon Prime vaccines to us, and that would be great. <laughs> uh, but Stacey, thanks so much for coming on. If people want to follow you or uh, reach you, where can they do that? So my organization is the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, which is just ilsr.org. And if you go to ilsr.org slash Amazon, you'll connect to all of our Amazon resources. And I'm on Twitter, too, so look forward to seeing people there. Great. Uh, and I am, again, Ragameta at ACLU Official. I'm at Anders Lee here. Uh, I'm at Patak Jokes on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Feral Jokes, as you know. Um, and you can get bonus episodes uh, by going to Patreon.com and typing in Patreon.com slash PodDamnAmerica. I thought I got a searchable, and uh, Patreon is – it sucks. Uh, <laughs> and it's a source of income, so that's – Totally not troubling at all. But um, we're going to have deuces this week. Type you do in find it, right? those damn um, letters, and you can sign up for our bonus feed. Um, it's been going great. I appreciate everyone who's been uh, signing up and coming out to shows. Um, also, our bonus episode of last week, if you are on the Patreon listener, got um, destroyed into a million pieces somehow. And it sucks because it was really funny. Um, One of our enemies destroyed the show. Yeah, Amazon Web Services. Yeah. It's weird how it was It was actually the best podcast in the world. It might have been the best <laughs> podcast that's ever been recorded. And uh, you'll never know because uh, something got fucked up. Uh, so um, anyway, because of that happened, uh, we're going to record two bonus episodes Deuces. this week. So there'll just be, we'll, you know, correct and... Uh, whatever um i think that's it yeah, yeah. thanks for coming yeah. on stacy thanks so much thanks. thanks it was so great to be here thank you all right have a good one you too